the stalling was more around, and really uh, I had a lot of time to think about it, was I think just leaving everyone behind, everyone that you love behind. And I, I just, I was just not ready to do this because Australia is so far away versus the UK or the US. Um, and so first time I met Nat and my, my partner, really Australia was one of the first conversations because suddenly I didn't have that fear anymore. And then she also kind of, you know, find someone to go back to go back with. So really everything came into place and then there was no stalling anymore. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Sham and in this episode, we're here with Lawrence de Marcel who runs a property consulting business, One Level Up alongside her partner. Get ready to dive into de Marcel's captivating journey from studying law in France and working in the UK and US to making the bold and exciting leap to move down under. Lawrence de Marcel offers a glimpse into her dynamic role as a property development consultant at One Level Up, a business she co-founded with her partner. With a focus on duplexes, they lead clients through the entire process from strategy formulation to successful property sales, making each step of the journey as exciting as the end result. Both my partner and I work on the business. Um, she's the one doing most of the, most of the work at the moment. And we basically help clients identify what the strategy they should be. Uh, well, they actually come up with their strategy, but we're here to find a site that will be uh, desirable for them. Um, we work with the consultants, such as the architect, um, the builder, um, the private certifier, anyone that's really involved in the process. And then we help them as well develop the property. So we've been doing duplexes so far. It's been working really well for us and our clients. And then we go all the way to, to the, sales, the sales process. So really a day will depend on what stage we are in, the process, in that process. That's wonderful. And just roughly, how many kind of projects are you running on, a, you know, on average at this point in time? The idea is three per year. Nice. Um, not finishing, but having you know different different stage, having three. Um, we don't want to be a multi you know multi millionaire type of business. We want we want to do it ourselves because because we know the quality that we bring to that. So three is a good is for now anyway. It's a good it's a good um, scale for us, and we've got actually three right now on the fly. Oh, that's wonderful! Very exciting. De myself unfolds a vibrant childhood in a town near Paris transitioning to exploring life abroad in the UK and the US, fueled by her passion for travel. However, the prospect of moving to Australia initially posed challenges, leading to a period of thoughtful hesitation and stalling. I grew up in France. I'm French and Australian now. Um, I'm from a, a town that's close to Paris, so I always said I'm from Paris is just easier. come from a loving family. Um, uh, I've had a, you know, I had a really good childhood. Um, my parents had some um, experience in property, but really the mom and dad negative gearing type of, you know, type of experience, which was working for them. And this is in Paris, by the way? Uh, yes. Well, in, in France, all of this is in France. Wow. And then I've always wanted the bro to live abroad. 
and I stayed in the UK and the US for a while. And then I thought about Australia, but Australia being so far away from, from France, really, you cannot just go back for a weekend. I think I was, I think I was stalling. Like I didn't want to come alone. And so I stayed in France for a while and then I met my partner. So we met a little bit late, I guess, in life, but um, I think it was for good reason because she was the one putting us on path of that consultancy in property development, and that has literally changed our life. So I'm actually really grateful that I stalled um, because it turned out to be to be really really good, and we've been here together in Australia for nine years. Dumasel finally recalls a vibrant childhood in France, highlighting her deep passion for basketball and engaging in spirited rounds of a beloved French card game, adding an exciting and competitive touch to her memories. I played basketball quite a lot. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I was playing up to four times basketball and you know the, the it was like a small town so everyone was kind of looking at you know watching the game. Uh, so it was really lovely, good teams and, and when I came here I tried to have that again but it's a different spirit. Uh, there was only just game, only competition, not so much practice. Or uh, so I miss I miss that a lot. Uh, but I still play basketball. That's great. So that's a big one for me, basketball. And then from a family perspective, uh, even when when my sister and I move moved out, we were regularly going back to the you know, to the family home, I guess. And one thing that we do a lot is we play cards. So it's usually. You know, a family family lunch or something always end up with hours of playing cards. What kind of card games did you play? I think it's a French card game and it's called Tarot, which is the same name as the astrology stuff, but that's not what it is about. And um, yeah, we usually played five people and yeah, and the best um, the best player wins, really. We're very competitive. I can imagine. You got to tell us, what, what is this Tarot game? I'm curious now. What, 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 how does it work? Just in, in a summary. Oh wow! Um, it is a so obviously there are you know standard rules in in any games, but it also brings in um, strategy. Yeah. It also brings in experience, which will help with strategy because the more you play, the more strategic you can be. When you play at five people, you actually uh, have a team player, but you only know that during the game. So what's interesting is there's a part where it's a kind of unknown. And then you kind of know who you play with, and it's it's about collaboration as well. So you have strategy, collaboration, a bit of mystery, and competition. So I'll, I just love it. That sounds like a really fun game. Now I'm going to look it up and, and find out how to play it. Then <laughs> that that could probably be another episode in itself. <laughs> <laughs> it would be. It would be. I guess you mentioned that you love playing basketball. You're quite tall, you know, for for a female, and I'm assuming that's probably one of the advantages of actually being able to play basketball because then you can actually easily jump up. Can you dunk? No, I cannot. I wish I could, but uh, there's not a lot of ladies in the world actually who could. So no, I don't have that privilege. Um, but yeah, yeah, my 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 I guess size was was definitely a benefit. But you don't have to be tall to play basketball. There's plenty of good players. Um, that as long as they're really good at driving very quickly or or shooting from you know far behind, then then they can make a career in it. Absolutely, it was good, but it's not it's not a mandate. 
No, absolutely. And and did you ever consider wanting to, to, to say play basketball professionally or was it just a sort of a hobby? It was more of a hobby. I was not as good as I played in a national team, but nas- not not the one that are getting paid for it that you see in the Olympic Games or anything. But um, I played as I think with my level, I played as high as I could have uh, back in the day, but it was more of a hobby than anything. Yeah, that's good. It's always good to have a sport or some kind of real, you know, hobby on the side because it's easy when as we get older to get stuck in work and then you go, what's the point of doing all this? So, it gives you that nice balance. Most of my team players that I used to play 20 years ago are, are not only not playing at all, but haven't touched the ball for a very long time. When I came back home last year, she said, oh my God, I haven't touched the ball for three years. I'm like, oh my God. I'm not good anymore at it, but I can, I can, I have my ball and I played once a month or something, just shooting. Dermacel reflects on her journey growing up in France, initially pursuing a law degree and then later making a significant shift to a career in marketing. This decision proved fortuitous as her path in online advertising facilitated a move to Australia, emphasizing the crucial role of timing and perspective in shaping her life's trajectory. I stayed in, in France uh, until I was 22, 23. Then I, I stayed in the UK and in, in the US. So that was probably just two years or something. Then I went back to Paris for many years and then came back to Australia. So there was a big gap between my last trip in, in abroad and then Australia. And then all of my studies I've done I've done in Paris uh, or in France, I should say. And so I've got... um. I've got a, a bachelor degree in law because I wanted to be a you know a lawyer. A lawyer, yes. Yeah, helping everyone. Um, and then you know the movies tell you something, but it's not always the reality. So I decided, and because I wanted to live abroad, I didn't think that law was actually the right vehicle. So I changed, I changed my, I guess my orientation, and then went to to marketing, uh, which I've got a MBA. Um, about and then actually afterwards again I was grateful to have made that big decision because that's how I got to Australia. Oh, okay. Tell us a little bit more about that. So, you, you got a marketing degree when you actually went over overseas. Yeah, well, not right away but when I, when I had all of that, I started my career in, in advertising, online advertising specifically. There's different branch within online advertising. It's actually a lot broader than we think. Um, and then I, I started to work in different areas within marketing. So if, if some people know, you know, the Google links, for example, or, or the Facebook campaign, I would have done that. And then I specialize in another area that's called programmatic. And I started that career in that the programmatic space back in Paris and then in the same company, I was able to transfer here in Australia to build the team here. So that's that's how there was a connection here because it was MBA marketing, cool online advertising, do this, this and this and this specific job and this specific company was able to get me to Australia. So when I moved, I already had a partner, I already had the job. You know, the only thing that was missing is the house, right? It was all lined up. It was perfectly there. So all you had to do was just action it. That's amazing. <laughs> That's exactly right. So again, going back to the stalling, like in being, I know we'll talk about mindset later on, but that that patient, when I'm not, it's not natural. Like I'm impatient by nature. Really, with years later, you understand 
why it was important to to you know to have everything in place. Um, so that's just another example of why time really told me that it was the right decision back then. Yeah, it's always hindsight, isn't it? When you look back, that's when you go, ah, that <laughs> will make sense now. That's right. At that point in time, it's like, I want to get it done. I want to get it done. I want to get it done. <laughs> but no, you can't. And you're full of doubt. You're full of doubt. Like, is that the right career for me? Is that the right change in, you know, studies? Am I wasting my time? Did you ever go back to law? Uh, no, no. What's easy? Well, what, what, again, that will help me with reading contracts and stuff like this now that like building contracts or sales contracts and stuff like this. So uh, I wouldn't be a lawyer, but I understand the, you know, the documents a lot better. Definitely. It, it's, I mean, all these skills that we pick up in life somewhere point upon wherever we step, we always seem to come back to use it, whether it be, you know, in a personal life or in a business life. So it looks like law has definitely contributed. So how long was the actual studies for when you were in the UK to get your marketing MBA? So I studied in France. Um, I think I end up, I end up finishing my study i was like 23 or something 24 something like this oh okay still quite young then then i went abroad then i really started my career in advertising and then and then came here so nine years ago i was like 33 or something motivated by an unwavering desire to travel and experience different cultures demacel always harbored a dream of venturing abroad she involved her journey recounting how she carefully selected the UK and the US as initial destinations. Well, it had to be an English-speaking country because that's the only real language that I can speak. I learned Spanish, but I'm, I really suck at it. Um, so English had to be, and I really enjoy speaking English, so English had to be. And then obviously the UK is very, you know, it's very convenient coming from France. You just take the train three hours later, you're in London. So... Convenience was was really key. It was the first time I was going to leave my family, you know, for that period of time. So UK was really an, an obvious choice. Um, and then back in the day, anyway, the US was kind of you know a big thing. Yeah, everyone wanted to go to the US or whatever. So and I didn't. I, w- I wanted to start another. I wanted to be in another country as well. So the US was a very um, again obvious second choice for the second trip. And then, um, and then, yeah, and then I started really to, to get serious with my career in advertising. And then I, I knew I wanted to go somewhere else. Um, and it would have been Canada if it was not for the, for the weather, because I hate, I hate the cold. Um, and that's when I started to think about Australia. I didn't know much about it, to be honest. It was more around, all right, I know that it's sunny. I know they're, they're the beach. And, and that was, Yeah. That's when I really thought about going there. But I didn't do much research, to be honest. That was kind of, all right, that's going to be my next country. And then I had a visa to come here and I didn't use it. Wow, okay. Going back to the reason, I think that's because I just was a bit scared to come alone. So I just didn't use it. Yeah. And then I had a partner visa to come here. So. Oh, that worked out perfectly then. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah, because a lot of people would die to want to, you know, get a visa. It's not easy to get a visa to Australia. It was a working holiday visa. You know, the one that you've got a, a time frame to work, and then so so it was a good visa, but not. It's not. It was not a work visa where you know you're settled and you're here for you know how many years. Yeah. So it was a good but not perfect visa. So.
Coming up after the break, Dumasel reveals the intriguing reason behind her initial hesitation to make the move to Australia. It was, I think, just leaving everyone behind, everyone that you love behind, and I, I just, I was just not ready to do this because Australia is so far away versus the UK or the US. She delves into the initial challenges she encountered upon relocating to Australia alongside her partner. I ended up being very dependent to my partner because obviously she lived here for a while. She knew, you know, she knew how the city worked, all of the administrative stuff. And the pivotal moment when she and her partner embarked on their property journey. And she she was looking online and then she saw a, a, a network where you can, you know, you can, you can make more money through property. Uh, but not just investment, actually being active in property. And so we went to a one day of that of that network and then we signed up for the program on, on the same day. And that's next. I'm Tyron Sham and you're listening to Property Investory. Dumasel reflects on a six-month stint working in London where she embraced a typical bar job and explored the city, immersing herself in its vibrant atmosphere and discovering the joys of independence in a new environment. I think I stayed there for like six months and it was not about the job I had was your typical bar, you know, uh, waitress. So that was, that was not my first job but it was my first job abroad um, and had nothing to do with advertising. So working in a pub, meeting people, serving beers, um, and then discovering London. I love London. Yeah. So it was more for traveling then, I guess. Yeah. More to explore and, and do. And being dependent. And, and being dependent, really, in another city. Can I sustain myself? And did you? <laughs> That's probably a big question. Yes. I did. I put on a little bit of weight, I have to, I have to admit. Um, but no, it was, it was a great experience. It was a great experience. So six months, where did you go in London? That was 20 years ago. I love those stories. <laughs> I just visited, I don't think I went out of London that much, uh, but I stayed in London, visited as, as much as I could back then, um, went to Greenwich, which I've actually enjoyed. And now I actually live in Greenwich in a suburb called Greenwich in Sydney. So what a coincidence. I cannot remember as, you know, like I, th I think I've, I saw some musicals and stuff like this. There's nothing that really comes out that much, but I know go going out with co-workers and stuff like this, I've really enjoyed. And just walking in the city, I enjoyed. Dumasel reflects on a one-year experience working in the US where her job involving selling and exchanging timeshares connecting with French-speaking clients and gaining insights into the travel industry. In the US, second job abroad, nothing to do with advertising, but it did with sales because what I, what my job was, um, was to uh, not so much to sell timeshares, but more exchange timeshares. So there were people already having timeshare. Hopefully everyone knows what timeshare is. For the listeners that don't know, may, may as well explain what that is. So timeshare is basically um, like someone will own a week in a specific resort in, in, in somewhere in the US and then they've got that week to use every year. And if they don't want to use it, they could exchange that week in order to get an, a week somewhere else. So you might have something in, I don't know, Las Vegas, for example, and you know next year you just want to go skiing in the mountains. So you will try to swap um, and so my job was to find something that the customer wanted. And they wanted French-speaking people because they had some um, Canadian, like French-Canadian 
Um, not a lot, to be honest. That was probably 2% of the calls that, that we've had. But an advantage for you, though. But it was it was good for me. Even though that was not um, advertising, it was about selling. And, you know, in, in every job, you kind of do a little bit of selling anyway. Yes. So that was good in that sense. And then industry being traveling, like travel, that's really what I enjoyed as well. So... Did you get to do any of the traveling yourself or are you mostly just based in the US for the cause and everything? I was just based in the US. So I, I did take a one week of in, in the, those resorts that we were promoting in, in Hawaii. So at the end of my trip, I just I just went there to celebrate the year Nice. before coming back home. In which part of the States did you stay in? It was in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. That's a very unusual place to be living in. I know, and I wouldn't recommend anyone to really live there. Go there three days. That's totally fine and good enough. Um, but I, I chose the job rather than the location. Ah, gotcha. Because I, I got a, a company to help me finding a job. And the first one was in the right location. It was in New York. But the job itself was nothing that I wanted to do. It sounded really boring. So I refused that. And then the second one was this one, working in sales, in travel, yeah, that's in Vegas, but you know, so I said yes to the job because the following job I would have to say yes because they only, you know, there's so many jobs they can really, yeah, give to you. So I just thought I'll take, I'll take that one. So I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. Yeah, it sounds like great experience. How long were you in the US for? I was there a year. Oh, okay, so so that's a pretty fair amount of time. So you would know Las Vegas pretty well. Well, again, twenty years ago. So hopefully, it has changed. It's probably new new hotels and stuff like this there. Oh, it's always changing. I mean, they're always adding more to it because it attracts a lot of people. But it's just crazy how you just walk out of the airport and there's poker machines everywhere. Very unusual. And I obviously we don't have any of this in in France because it's very specific location where you can gamble, right? So that was really new to me. And then actually when I came in Australia, I said, oh, there's bookies everywhere in pubs as well. So it's not, it's a bit different, but it's not that different. Yeah, that's very true. You're right about that. But there, there is a limited amount of po- uh, pokies and machines because they, they only have, have licenses behind it. It's crazy. After spending a couple of years abroad, Dumasel returned to France to make her mark in the advertising industry. During her time back home, she met her partner, a significant factor that motivated her decision to finally move to Australia and to put an end to any hesitation. It was really to start my career in, in advertising. So I stayed there I don't know, like probably six years or something before before we came to before we came to Australia. Okay. Did you move back home with family or did you actually stay yourself? I had an apartment, you know, a, a tiny apartment in uh, in Paris. Um and um and then I met I met Nat. That's nice. Very good. So both you and Nat were actually in, in Paris or already in France together. And then that's when every topic there's a story. Um but it's getting very personal, but but Nat it was actually Australian. She was here for fifteen years or something before we met. So again, there's like the universe bringing us together. I wanted to come here but not alone. She was a little bit sick of Australia after like 15 years, came back just for a break and then we met. Wow, that is fate. And then we came here and then we came here together. See, like just when everything comes into place, it's just it's just funny. So De Marcel reflects on the internal struggle she faced in contemplating a move to Australia, primarily due to the distance from loved ones. However, meeting her partner and finding mutual support alleviated her fears 
leading to a decisive and smooth decision to move despite the emotional challenges of leaving family behind. The stalling was more around and really uh, I had a lot of time to think about it was I think just leaving everyone behind, everyone that you love behind and I, I just I was just not ready to do this because Australia is so far away versus the UK or the US. Um, and so first time I met Nat and my, my partner really Australia was one of the first conversations because suddenly I didn't have that fear anymore. And then she also kind of, you know, finds someone to go back to go back with. So really everything came into place and then there was no stalling anymore. <laughs> that was an easy decision. Yes. And we just made sure that our relationship was, you know, strong enough and it was and then we came here. And how did the family feel when you told them? <laughs> I can see your face. <laughs> not happy. Not happy. In the mindset perspective, I still have to work a little bit on the guilt because I, I feel, you know, guilty. These are my decisions. So it's not stopping me from making these decisions, but it certainly is, you know, a, a weight on your shoulder because, you know, you're you're hurting people. Yeah. You know, people who love you. So I'll make sure that I'm on the phone every every week or so with my, you know, with my my parents at least. And I've been I've been back a few times. So She reflects on her initial dependence on a partner when transitioning to her new life in Australia, relying on a partner's familiarity with the city and the Australian lifestyle. However, work offered a similar platform and a sense of familiarity, contributing to a smoother transition. Ended up being very dependent to my partner because obviously she lived here for a while. She knew, you know, she knew how the city worked, all of the administrative stuff and stuff. So I was, I was very dependent on her on the day-to-day basis. Uh, where I made myself dependent or I just let go because, you know, it was already a, a big change for me. So I just, I'll, I'll just delegate that side of, of life. Yes. <laughs> and then for, well, for work, it was the same platform, you know, it was the same language because I had um, European clients back at home. So I was speaking, I was writing in English quite a lot, not speaking that much. So I, that helped me focus on, I guess, on work and, and putting all of my energy into this because um, different clients, different, you know, different ways of working. And what about time zone difference? So you were coming to Australia to help set up their Australian version here, but um, did you still need to work the European hours? Uh, not too much. I was, I was, um, I was having some calls some time to time to get some support, but I would, like the people that I worked with on a daily basis were literally in my office, in the office that we had. Because the I, sh- I should have said that I worked in Havas, which is a big a big corporation, and I was just one member of this. So there was already a structure ar- around me, just not in my specific department. So I came I came in in a team, but it's not the team that I was going to help me with my with the job that we had. So. There was some structure already. In her first year in Australia, Dear Marcel faced intense work demands but found relief when her parents visited, prompting her to quit her job temporarily and later secure a new position in her field where she has remained for over seven years. That first year was tough mostly because of work because I was the only one. So they were, the workload was actually incredibly high. Oh, wow. Okay. And then when my parents came to tra- visit, obviously, and travel, my parents love traveling. So when they go somewhere, they will just say six weeks or something. <laughs> That's great. Now that they're retired anyway. And so when they came, when they came and I just said, you know what? 
I'll just quit this one. I'll just quit that job, spend time with you, and I'll, I'll find another job afterwards in that, in that area of, of my expertise, right? So having my parents coming and having that pressure a little bit, the pressure of the work that I had a bit, a bit removed, I've, yes, that, that was, I was just fine then. Uh, and then I find the job fairly easily afterwards. And I've been in that same job for seven years now. So, Even though her partner had property experience, it wasn't their influence that brought her into the scene. Rather, it was her partner's desire to expand and explore more. Taking the lead in their property journey, her partner delved into online opportunities, eventually discovering a network event and program that propelled them into the realm of active property development. My parents have um, um, heritated from properties as well. So they had, they have, I think they have two or something like this. And it's, you know, it's a topic that everyone kind of know whether or not you're actually investing or not. Like this is a topic that, that everyone talks about, and especially here in Australia. Um, and my, and it really came a vehicle for us to move to the next step when my partner um work she worked in the home environment her entire life she was she was selling in tickets back in the day um she worked for luxurious home furniture companies as well um and then we and then that was a bit yeah that's great but surely there's, there's just there's more to it right and so she um she wanted to see what she was she's really the the driver like she's in the driver's seat Right, and I'm a very good co-pilot, but she's the driver of 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 of, of that journey, right? And she she was looking online, and then she saw a, a a network where you can you know you can you can make more money through property, uh, but not just investment, actually being active in property. And so we went to a one day of that of that network, and then we signed up for the program on on the same day. Excellent. That was mid 2017. So that was what two years or something after we came here. Yep. And we got educated, and then we we saw some very good, you know, good case studies or stories about people who've who've stopped working for someone because you're never gonna get rich by working for someone. So that's kind of you know working for yourself. It's hard, but there's you know benefits to it. So we were all talking about this, and then and then. Nat quit her job and really focused on on that, and she's literally full time consultant now. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm here to support for now, um, and we've had we've had great success. It, it's a slow process because when we part, when we talk about development, it takes you know at least two years. So there's so many you can do at the same time as well. You have to have investors or clients anyway um, to come, yeah, to 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 help. Um, but so far, everything that we've touched. Um, have been have has been a success, so we're very grateful. In the next episode of Property Investory, Lawrence de Marcelle discusses her first property development experience and the hardships and challenges she faced. That first deal was the most challenging one. Not only because it was the first, 
but because um, the builder was incredibly hard to manage. She reveals how a habit developed during COVID-19 has allowed her to enhance her knowledge and understanding of the property system. So I'm not so much of a reader, but I'd like to I'd like to listen. And one 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 habit we got from from COVID when we were all locked up, the only thing you could do really was go for a walk. We we started to walk every day and listen to to podcast or or book through audio book and stuff like this. So she emphasizes the importance of self belief and a strong mindset to support your goals. So we we all have luck, but. It's one of the two words that I'm that I'm stopping myself from using, because you know, again, going back to mindset, it's about creating your own your own opportunities, right? And if you do create them, then it's no longer part of luck. And that's next time on Property Investory.